0: You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Thank you. Yeah, y'all give it up. No, remain seated. Remain seated. Please, please remain seated. You're too much. Hey, welcome, everybody. For all of you watching online, hey, welcome. Our High Ridge is gonna give you a big, warm welcome this morning. Come on, guys. We have just passed 4,000 subscribers, and I am so grateful for all of you that are watching. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing this message with your friends. The world needs to hear what is happening right here in Longview, Texas, and I'm so grateful that you could make it here today. Thank you, thank you for that. If you like what you hear, Click that share button, that always means a lot to us. So for everybody else, we're gonna get into a brand new series, so open up your Bible if you would. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. As we're turning there, I wanted to say thank you for your generosity. You guys are awesome, you have supported us. This has been Pastor Appreciation Month, and let me just say I feel very, very much appreciated. And uh, I was able to spend, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was able to go with a group of pastors on a retreat, and we went to Montana. I redeemed my fly fishing experience Praise God. It's actually fun. I didn't know it could be fun. I just thought y'all were lying to me. Uh, but it was, a, it was a wonderful time hanging out with those pastors. If you ever want to get pastors lying, just put them in the water around fish. And let me just tell you, the lies that come out of what they caught are things that need to be repented over. Let me just say that. And then I was able to fly back from uh, Billings, Montana, flew back into uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. Some friends of mine said, hey, do you want to hunt some gator on your way back? I'm like, say less, fam, Say less. So I was able to fly down there. Let me just tell you, we went down into uh, the parts of Louisiana nobody likes to talk about, like where the Louisianas are ashamed of these people. Like, no, we don't. We're not with them. They are. And we got to kill 52 gators in five hours. Somebody say amen to that. That was that was awesome. So Beast Feast is going to be incredible this year. We've got some gator tail for you guys. Let me also say we had the most amazing ladies' night we have ever had in the history of our church right here. Those ladies were on fire. For all of you who made that possible, thank you so much for that. It was first class. We had multiple guests from other churches. We had people come in from other cities. We had people from other ministries, and it was just fantastic. I am so, so grateful for you. Thank you for your generosity for making something like that happen. It's a big deal, it matters. We also know of at least two women that accepted Christ, which is the biggest number and most important number. Come on, somebody. And the altars were full of ladies getting prayed over and ministered to, and that's always a beautiful and wonderful thing. So thank you for being a church that is uh, alive and that will support the mission of what God is doing right here in Longview. Uh, It's making a difference right here and around the world. So uh, I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for supporting us. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to get into God's word today. And I believe that as we do that, God is going to speak to you. He's going to tell you things that I believe that you need to hear. So I love to approach God's word with an open heart, with an open mind. I love that as I open up God's word, I don't read it with myself in mind, but I read it saying, Lord, what would you have me to understand? What are you you speaking to me? And so as we do that, I was reading in Hebrews chapter 12 this week, and it's one of my favorite chapters, but there's a part of that that stuck out to me that I had never really read in this context before, and it just kind of screamed off the page, so I wanted to share some of those things with you today as well. You know, Revelation is is God shining a light on things that you might have seen a thousand times, but you see it with a brand new light, a brand new flavor, And all of a sudden, it's just like, wow, that that speaks to me. And so I want to preach to you. Over the next three weeks, we're going to start a brand new series called Points of Passion. Somebody say, "Points Points of Passion. Points of Passion. And it all kicks off right here in Hebrews chapter 12. So follow along if you would. We're going to pick it up in verse 18. The writer says this, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and is burning with fire. He says, you've not come to some mountain full, filled with darkness and gloom and storm to a, a trumpet blast or to such a, a voice speaking words that those that heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. Like, I can't hear it. I can't, I can't stand it. I can't have it. He says that's not the mountain that you came to. He says, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches this mountain, it must be stoned to death. And the sight was so terrifying that Moses himself said, I am trembling with fear. The writer says, that's not the mountain that we're on. He's describing Mount Sinai, the the Old Testament mountain where God spoke and gave his law. But moving on in scripture, he says, this is the mountain that you've come to. He says, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Somebody say joyful. Joyful. Joyful assembly. He says, To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven, you've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I love that. What great imagery! He says, You've come to a better covenant. You've come to the blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cries out to God for vengeance. God, make this right. Make him do it. Make them do it. Make this right. God, you owe me. He said, No, 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 no. You've come to a much, much better covenant than that. The blood of Abel cries out for revenge, but the blood of Jesus cries out for mercy, cries out for grace. He said, You're on the wrong mountain. Look at somebody next to you and say, You're on the wrong mountain. As we dig in over the next three weeks, I want to know, uh, know a couple things. As we talk about the points of passion, we're going to kind of boil it down to a couple of questions. Like, what are, you, what are you most passionate about? If I was to get you talking about a certain subject, what are the things that you'd be like, ooh, I know a lot about that. This is my jam. Other people may not know. And for some of us, that's the uh, true crime. If we are to talk about true crime, I am your boy. If somebody was killed, I'm all about it. An investigation and figuring out who done it. Now, that may be like crazy speaking nonsense to you, but to me, like you're speaking my language. If you talk about my kids, I'm passionate about my kids. I could talk about my kids all day. What are you, what are you passionate about? We could ask it another way. What makes you tick? That's the, that's, that's the real questions that we ask when you're discovering your passions. What makes me tick and what ticks me off? What makes me tick? What ticks me off? What are the things that if I start talking about this, you can be like, "Oh, ho, ho, hold, hold on now. i got some strong opinions. You better watch your words carefully, Pastor. Be careful because I'm passionate about that. I know what I'm talking about. What makes you tick and what ticks you off? Now, at different points of your life, you're going to have things that make you tick and things that tick you off. You're going to have things that you're passionate about in one season that you're not quite as passionate about in the next season. And that's good for us to know because sometimes we have strong opinions and then about two or three years happens, and you're like, ah, I don't really care. Not that big of a deal. I was passionate about it then, not so much passionate about it now. Our passion has a tendency to, to change in different seasons of our life. There are things that, that make me tick, and there are things that tick me off. There are things that I, I didn't care about in my 20s that I care a lot about in my 40s. Things that tick me off, like trying to thread a needle with these 47-year-old eyes that I will throw a shirt in the trash versus try to sew a new button back on some shirt that I fatted out of versus trying to put that button back on. I'm sitting here looking. There is no way that this is this small. They're making them smaller. You pass 40, you're like, I cannot, I can't see. I can't see this thing. I'm sitting here trying to thread this needle like this is dumb, burn it, burn it all. I don't care what it costs. There are things that I'm passionate about, things that tick me off and things that make me Take what are those things with you? I think all of us have a different group of things that we're passionate about, things that we'll argue over, things that we will dig our heels in and say, this is the most important thing to me. And it's part of what makes us human. It's part of what makes us interesting is the passions. And when you find another person on the planet that is passionate about the same things that you're passionate about, you got something special there. As a matter of fact, let me say it this way. You can't build strong relationships without a shared passion, at least one. But you gotta be passionate about at least one thing. You're like, you know, we may not agree on anything else, but we both agree about this. We both agree that we love these kids. We're passionate about these kids. And you can build a strong relationship if you're able to share passions, things that make you tick and things that tick you off. Now, how do we apply that to the word of God? We understand that, that this is true, that until I start sharing in God's passions and understand the things that make him tick and the things that tick him off. I can't build a strong relationship with him because I'll build a God in my image that I want him to just be mad about the things that I'm mad about. I want him to care about the things that I care about, but building a strong relationship with your father means I want to share his passions. And if my passions don't line up with his passions, he's perfect. I might need to change. Now, none of us want to hear that we need to change. We want to be taught that you are perfect in every way. There is no improvement needed. You're good. And God loves you just the way you are. That is true. But the better news is God loves you too much to leave you just the way you are. And when I begin to understand what makes God tick and what ticks him off, my relationship with him gets a little stronger. Now, unfortunately, many of us have a skewed version of what we believe God is angry at. Because we've built a God out of the wrong mountain. Now, I've never been on the wrong mountain, but I've been in the wrong car. And my parents are here today. Would you guys welcome my parents? This is my mom and dad. See, I told you I was Mexican. None of y'all believe me. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. But there was a time where we walked out of Walmart and as a, as a family and we had another lady with us that drove us in her van and we walked across the parking lot, stuck the key in the side of the van and got into the wrong van. Same make and model and the key fit in the lock. Do you remember this? Am I lying? This happened. And we get in there, we sit and the first thing we notice is like, something feels off. This, this doesn't smell like us. <laughs> you ever smell other people? You're like, that's not my family. They don't pass the sniff test, y'all. Like, this is a white people van. This smells, <laughs> this doesn't smell like fajitas in here. This, don't laugh at that, a bunch of racists. And then we started looking around and we realized we're in the wrong van. And so we're like, get out of this van, this is ours. we were parked next to another van that was the same model and the key actually worked. And so we get out of the van, there's another family standing there like, sorry, excuse us, we're in we're the wrong van. So I've never been on the wrong mountain, but I've been in the wrong van. And the writer of Hebrews says, we have a tendency to see God from the wrong mountain. He says, that's not the mountain that you're on. The things that you think make God angry, the things that you think really tick him off, could be because you're on the wrong mountain. And that anger, he took out on Christ. That's been paid for. That's taken care of. There's a new covenant. And that blood that's screaming out for vengeance, there's there's better blood. It's the blood of Jesus. And God is passionate about some things that you may not realize He's passionate about. And when your passions begin to line up with His passions, fantastic things begin to happen. When God's passions become my passions, life change happens. My life begins to change. You need to understand that His ways are better than your ways, His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His version of you is better than your version of you. How do I find that better version of me? It's in Christ. I understand the things that God is passionate about and let His Word tell me what makes Him tick and what ticks Him off. And my ways and my will slowly begin to change to what He wants for my life. My life begins to change. So, as we're digging into God's Word, I want to give you four things that I think we're going to focus on, uh, not just this week, but over the next three weeks. Things that help us to understand the passion of who God is, the things that make Him tick. The things that tick him off, they may be different than what you and I have been taught to believe. But I want to show you through God's word, a better version of the father that we serve, a more complete version. We're going to start with this. Number one, God is passionate about being known. God is passionate about being known. The apostle Paul says, oh, that I might know him. I just want to know him. That's the point of my life. I just just want to know him. Because his passions had begun to line up with what God wants most. He wants people to know him. God says, before you were born, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. The question is, do you you know me? Well, I do know you, but I understand you from this mountain. And it's not the right one. The wrong mountain gives us a wrong perspective of who he is. God is passionate about being known. So for me, growing up in a hyper-Pentecostal community, um, no fault for my parents, but is the only people in town that uh, had received the Holy Spirit and were welcoming those of the Jesus movement. And so when we got this version of Christ that was Holy Spirit driven and it began to drift off into a lot of legalism and rules, by the second generation, things had begun to morph and change into a much more fearful version of God. It wasn't about the freedom that we could find in Christ, the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings, but it's the rules. We better not tick God off. And when you raise your children with the rules and not the relationship with God that our parents have, it always equals rebellion. The more fear and the more rules you put upon children, it doesn't make them obey or love you more. It doesn't call them to holiness. It calls them to rebellion. Rebellion. Now, we didn't understand that at the time, but we know it now. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. A hundred times out of a hundred. If it's just rules between you and your children, they will rebel against you. It is part of our human nature. It's part of our human condition. And by the way, it is the single greatest spirit that grips our city today is the spirit of legalism. You better look like this. You better act like this. If you call yourself a believer, you better not do those things. You better not do this. You better not do that. You better wear the skirt this long. Like Leave grandpa alone. What are you doing making him wear a skirt? You can't wear those earrings. Like, Leave Pop Pop alone. As if our relationship with God dwelt upon outside appearance. But I was raised in that. If you're Christian, you better look like this, act like this, think like this. You were raised in it. If you're from Longview, it is part of who you are. It's difficult to understand God through a different mountain when this is what we've been taught. And there's a rebellious spirit that comes out in each of us We're constantly bombarded with our relationship with God built upon rules. God is passionate about us knowing him from the right mountain. Through the mountain of what Christ did for us. Not for the laws that we could never, ever on our best day live up to. God is passionate about being known. And the entire Bible from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, is God screaming to be known. To understand him. To understand his ways and his heart. The things that make him tick. And the things that tick them off, when we only understand them through fear and legalism, through laws, you better do this, you better not do that, we miss the point of what a relationship with God can really look like. Let me tell you this, a false perspective of God will keep me from ever truly knowing him. You'll only know Rules. So Jeremiah chapter 9, God speaks through the weeping prophet, through the amazing Jeremiah, and God says this, let him who boasts, or in other words, if you're going to brag about something, brag about this. You want to brag? You want to boast? Brag about this, that they have the understanding to know me, says the Lord. I want you to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises. Look at the first thing that God says, this is what I'm all about. This is what I do. I exercise kindness. Is that the God that you were raised up to believe in? The God that loves to exercise, first and foremost, kindness. And he says righteousness and justice. Is God justice? Yes. Is he righteousness? Yes. He's also kindness, just as much. And the good news about that justice and the righteousness, as well as the kindness, is that God's justice is only possible because of what he sent his son to do. Not your best efforts. Your righteousness Is as filthy rags, Paul says. It's not enough. You are not good enough. On your best day, you're not good enough. You will never be good enough. You're human. But thanks be to God, his son was good enough for me. God says, I want you to know me, and I'm passionate about you knowing me. I want to be made known. God is passionate about being known. Here's the second key. Number two, your God is passionate about lost people more passionate than the church has ever realized god cares deeply about those that do not yet know him the most disappointing factor about the church today is that we really would rather just take care of ourselves while the world burns while the world is gripped with fear we have the answer our relationship with christ I sure am glad to be here. I'm glad I got my fire insurance. And we forget that there's a lot of people that don't know him. It is the mission of this church to make sure that we make him known to those that do not know him. It's important. Jesus speaks over and over about the importance of the lost coming home. He gives parable after parable. Lost coins, lost sheep, prodigal sons. He talks about the father and the harvest. He's passionate about the lost. So we, we understand this, that God wants me to know him and he wants to use me to make him known. It is the purpose of my existence that people that do not know God would know him better because of me. It's the purpose of your existence that you would know God and that other people would know God because of you. Do we see this? Jesus, when he's giving his mission statement, it says, the reason why I came, the reason why God sent me. Jesus says in Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the reason why I'm here, to look for those that don't know me and introduce myself, to look for those that are lost and bring them home. Let me remind you of the fear and the panic that happens inside of every parent's heart when you can't reach your kids when you're not sure where they are. That moment where you might pull up to school and they're supposed to be waiting in the pickup line and they're not there. The moment that you pull up Life 360 or find my friend and they're not where they're supposed to be or you can't find them or it's not working. The moment that you text or call and they don't answer, there's that fear and there's that panic in your heart. There's that anxiety. Why? Because I don't know where my children are. They used to be the sign off on every TV station at night. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? The same is still true for God's children. God is passionate about lost people. If we grow up with a legalistic view of God, we will spend all of our time trying to please God in a way that cannot possibly please him and forget about what pleases him most, bringing his kids home. And we've built our church around the shared passion that we have With our Father, we want to see the lost become found. We want to see people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. More than I want to see you really like me. More than I want to see you enjoy the song that we just sang. More than what what I want to see you grow a big, awesome church that we can be proud of. More than that, if the lost aren't becoming found, you've missed the point. We missed the point. As a matter of fact, the church itself, the church is one of the few organizations that exists for the sake of its non-members. That's why we're here. Not for us, for them, for those that don't know. That's why we're here, to know him and to make him known. So God is passionate about being known and God is passionate about the lost. Here's the third. God is passionate about those that were looking for him and found rules. God is passionate about looking for those that found the wrong mountain. And this is where I come in. This is where I recognize myself and my friends that grew up with a legalistic view of Christ, that grew up with a legalistic view of the Father, that grew up with rules and grew up in rebellion. And it took a fantastic work of the Holy Spirit to make me fall in love with a father that I thought hated me because of my sin. God is passionate about those that were looking for him and found rules. So the mountain that he's talking about here is Mount Sinai where God gave the law to Moses and Moses comes back down and the people are like, hey, we, we didn't want that God, because we're afraid of him. You see, they'd come out of Egypt with this mindset of slavery and being oppressed. And when God reveals his might and his power, instead of being in awe of what God had done for them, they were afraid of what God was going to do to them. And they said, we don't want that. Let's make a golden calf. Aaron, make us a golden calf. And Aaron's like, thy will be done, because I'm afraid too. And if we could break it down to modern day terms, they they made a church worshiping a God that was much more palatable than the God that we're afraid of. The God that booms, the God that is unapproachable, the God that speaks to Moses, and Moses comes down and they're like, you better put a veil over your face. I can't even look at you right now. Let's go, let's go ahead and make a God in our own image and let's worship that. This is the God that brought us out of Egypt. It's a cow, cute. As a matter of fact, it's a calf, Oh! Baby cows are so cute, and then they grow up and like, this thing stinks, but it's delicious. Don't let it fool you. Let's make a God that's like that. It's cute we can dance around it and Moses breaks the covenant right in front of him breaks the stone tablets like what are you doing what are we doing this is the God that delivered us what are you doing he smashes that thing up and he makes them drink it that is hardcore he mashes it up makes it with water he's like now drink it like if you've ever seen you ever seen somebody rage out like that's a true dad right there you will eat it no offense no offense But let me say it this way. Fear doesn't call us to holiness or love. It creates rebellion. Yeah. Rebellion. And you need to know this about your relationship with the Lord. If it's based upon fear, if it's based upon vengeance, it will always lead to rebellion. It doesn't call you to holiness. doesn't call you to love. You become a Pharisee. And this is what Christ raged against when he was here. What are you doing? There's lost people. You're busy putting weights on them and rules on them. They can't possibly live up to that. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so when the children of Israel saw God on Mount Sinai, this powerful God, instead of recognizing this is the powerful God that delivered us from slavery, the God that led us out of Egypt, the God that poured out his plagues upon those that were our oppressors, this is the God that fights for us. They said, this is the God that we should be afraid of because I'm afraid he's going to fight me. What does that tell us? It tells us that God's presence and immense power will be intimidating until you realize he's not against you. He's not against you. As a matter of fact, everything that God is against, he took out on his son so that he wouldn't have to be against you. This is why we make Jesus Christ the hero of every story, the hero of every sermon that is preached from this pulpit. It's Christ as the hero. It's not me as the hero. It's not you as the hero. It's not anybody else as the hero. It is Christ. It's Christ and Him crucified. God's wrath was poured out upon His Son so that it wouldn't have to be poured out on me. And I recognize that God's powerful presence and His immense power is not against me, it's for me. What a wonderful and powerful thing. Remember this in Romans chapter 2. It said it's God's kindness that's intended to lead us to repentance. It doesn't say it's God's great power and His great wrath that makes you repent. I'm so strong, you better say you're sorry. That's not what it says. I'm so powerful, you better repent. You don't know what I'm gonna do to you. That's the wrong mountain. He said, no, 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 God took out that wrath on Christ. It's in his kindness that he can show us now. And that's, that's intended to lead us to repentance. You serve a God that loves to show his kindness. God says, in his kindness, I delight. I delight in showing kindness. You recognize that God likes to do some things? God enjoys showing his kindness to us. That's an important thing for us to understand about the points of God's passion for us. He's a kind God. How can he be kind to me? He knows what I've done. Because of Christ. Christ. So God is passionate about being known. God is passionate about lost people. God is passionate about looking for those that were looking for him and found rules. And then lastly, I want to share with you this. God is passionate about his people finding joy in him. In him. Now it's important that we remember those last two words. In him, because we have a, an Americanized version of Christianity that says God is passionate about you being happy. Uh not like what you're saying. No, I, I understand what you mean, and it's wrong. That's not the biblical version of what we see. Well, God wants me to be blessed. Yeah, but not like what you're thinking. God wants to make me happy. Ah. Not in the way that you think. Because we have this version of God that we have made in our own image that is cute that wants to bless me with an amazing job, with an amazing family, with amazing health, with awesome benefits package, with a great raise every single year with people that love me and good times on Friday and Saturday and no issues. That's an amazing God that we serve. And what happens when one of those things doesn't go quite so well? Which, by the way, will happen. Why? Because this isn't heaven. This isn't heaven. And we'll create a God in our own image that exists to make me happy and to give me heaven on earth. No, 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 no. The only glimpse that we get of heaven on earth is, is Christ. Christ is heaven come down and God wants our joy to be complete in him. And if we live on the wrong mountain, we'll see a God whose wrath wants to make me obey his rules whose wrath wants me to wear a skirt that's long enough and earrings that everyone approves of and just enough makeup and just enough hairspray to not be a Jezebel and just enough right kind of ties and just not too flashy. Can't wear a beard, better not wear a mustache, better not play any sports. But come on, you're on the wrong mountain. God doesn't exist to make you happy. He wants to bring you joy in him. The father sent his son to satisfy his wrath and bring great joy. There's a reason why we sing at Christmas time. Joy to the world. Why? The Lord has come. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Heaven and nature sing. He's our joy. Our joy is found in him. So we come into his presence. We don't come into his presence afraid of what he's going to say. We come into his presence with awe and wonder of a God that is powerful but chooses to love us in spite of our mistakes. And we find that Psalm 16, verse 11, has become so true that in his presence we find fullness of joy. Remember, Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Does that mean that God wants to bless me with a lot more money? Not like what you think. (laughs) Our riches are are not, not for here. I'm storing up a crown of righteousness and riches in heaven because I care about what he cares about. I'm passionate about what he's passionate about. The things that make me tick and the things that tick me off have now morphed to become what he wants. God is passionate about his children finding great joy in a relationship with him. He is passionate about people that do not know him Come to know him. He wants people to be in what our black churches and black brothers and sisters would say. He wants you in the ark of safety. He wants you in the ark of safety. You may not know what that means, but if you understand Noah's ark, you know that Noah preached for a long, long time. There's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. You're not going to want to be here when the storm comes. There's a flood coming. People are like, What's well, a storm? What's a flood? What's rain? It's coming. What should we do? Get in the ark. But nobody listened. And God is passionate about people getting in the boat. He's revealing himself in these last days, asking for people that don't know him to come home. So when we flew down to Lafayette last week uh, to hunt gators, so there's a uh, on Vermilion Paris, it's this massive place where they have uh, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of gators, and they have to clear out about 2,000 gators every single year just to make sure that the population uh, doesn't uh, run out of resources and they start eating each other. And so it is full of gators. Let me just tell you, whoo, whoo, scary! I am what you call indoorsy. This is this is a huge step of faith for me, but uh, it's also a great adventure. And I was challenged by a pastor last year to live a life of adventure, and I'm like, say less. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out more. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to get out and enjoy some adventures. And so when I get down to Louisiana and we start talking to these people that I, I don't understand you. I've talked to some Louisiana people and we can find a way to, to communicate. And then there's like the other part where it's like, we don't know them. And we were there with the, we don't know them. It's like, is that English or French or a combination? And you look at a French guy and he's like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. And so I was trying to talk to one of our guys. I said, you know, um, what are we going to do tomorrow? We're going to get you down there. we get you up early. Get you all shooting a gator. <laughs> I feel like I missed some important points. And <laughs> I'm looking around for an interpreter like, does anybody understand what he is saying? <laughs> he said, we're going to get up early, get in the boat, kill some gators. Cool. Can I have a little few more details? Like, how is this going to happen? How do I make sure I keep all my fingers? I like them. I'm partial to them. I do not make sure? And so we're getting on this boat, and I'm trying to communicate. I asked asked our guide. I said, "Um, what's the most important thing to remember about gator hunting? And he said, stay in the boat. (laughs) I get it. I get it. You do not have to worry about me. I will not be getting it. I'm not going for an afternoon swim. I don't care how hot it gets. I'm staying in the boat. Stay in the boat. There's a lot of danger out there, stay in the boat and get as many people into the boat as you can get. It matters. What is coming, you don't want to be a part of. But I want to remind you, Paul says, it's not for us. We've not been appointed to suffer wrath. That's coming on those that did not put their trust and find their joy in Christ. Christ came to take all the wrath of God so that we could have a relationship with this God. We could be on the right mountain. Christ took all of God's wrath. It was poured out on him once and for all. And for those that decide not to receive it, you're not going to want to be here. You want to be in the boat. So it's critical in these times and in these days that you get in the boat. You need a relationship with Jesus. That your points of passion begin to line up with his points of passion. And you'll find that a lot of things that really tick you off, look at me, they don't matter. They don't matter. Get in the boat. Get people in the boat. Can you receive that? Is that okay? Yes. As we finish up today, go ahead and put away your phones if you would. And unless you're watching online, <laughs> please don't do that. We're almost done. <laughs> don't just turn me off. Come on. But if you liked what you, what you, what you saw today, uh, click the share button. There's a lot of you that are watching from all around the world. It's such a great honor to be into your home and be involved in your day wherever you're watching from and I believe that what God wants to do is draw people to himself and one of the easiest ways that we can do that is by just clicking share. People will start watching this message and the Holy Spirit will begin to move upon their hearts and they will begin to understand God in a brand new way but it takes you using your social media platform to advance the cause of Christ and so it's a big deal when you do that. Thank you for that. For everyone else, I want to invite you to have a moment with your father. A moment where you lay down some things that you've been passionate about. And I think over the next few moments, the Holy Spirit's going to begin to move on your heart. You're going to recognize there's been some things that really ticked me off. But I need to surrender to the Lord. I, I need to let that go. You've been hanging on to it for far too long. And there is great freedom for you if you'll let him take it. But he's not going to force himself on you. He wants you to know him and find your joy in him. For some of us watching today, it's been a long time since you've had any joy. Let today be a day where things change. The only thing standing between you and freedom in Christ is you. It's you. So would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to invite you to just open up your hands, maybe place them on your knees and pray a powerful prayer. The prayer is this. Pray this if you would. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? We listen to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak. Speak to your people in a way that they can understand. Lord God, in response to your Spirit, we lay down things that are wrong. We lay down our attitudes. We lay down our unkind words. We lay down our hatred and bitterness. We've been so consumed with rebellion. Let today be a day of freedom. I speak freedom right now over God's people. I speak freedom. Let today be a day of freedom. Freedom for the people of God. Let us walk in freedom and victory. Freedom. I pray that the light bulb would begin to come on right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that sin would be broken right now. Attitudes broken. Bitterness broken. In the name of Jesus Thank you, Father, for the freedom that can only be found in you. We receive it today. Can you just say that with me? I receive it. Come on, I receive it. Yes, Lord. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, when you start talking about the ark of safety, when you start talking about being lost, or you talk about having a relationship with Jesus, I recognize I, I don't have that. I'm not really sure what happens at the end of my life. I'm not sure if I'm in the ark of safety. I'm not sure. My friend, if you don't know then this next part is just for you. This is the most important moment of your entire life. If you want to know Christ, if you want a relationship with him, it starts with a prayer. And I will tell you what to say, but you've got to pray this prayer. This is up to you. Don't just pray it. Don't let it just be words. Be it something that that you mean. Mean it. Pray it from your heart. And the prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, come on, pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came, you died, you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for my sins. Will you forgive me? Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me, wash me, and use me for your purpose. I give my life to you right now. In Jesus' name. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? Would you look up at me and just lift your hand all up over this place? All over this place, if you would. Good, I see you, young lady. Yes, sir, I see you. Good. Yes, young man. Yes, ma'am. I see you. I see you. Good for you. Good for you. I am so proud of you and the decision that you just made. This is an important, important day. And I don't want you to stop here. You've come such a long way. Will you take one more step? The step I'm gonna ask you to take right behind me on a screen is a number that's appearing right now. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. If you'll text me, text me the words, I pray to that number, I'm gonna send you some things that I've prepared just for you. It'll help you to understand what just happened and what I should do next. This isn't the end of your relationship with Jesus. It's just starting. Let me help you. I'm so proud of you and what you've just done. Thank you for doing that for me. It's a big deal. It matters. Good for you. Well, High rich family, would you go ahead and look up at me? Stand to your feet if you would. I'm going to invite our elders and their wives forward, and these guys are going to remain here as the service finishes up today to be able to pray for you. This is my personal prayer team. I know and love and trust these people, and uh, they are the foundation of our church. And they pray for me, and my life is better because of it. We've seen God do amazing things because of their prayers and I would like to make them available to you. If you need prayer today, if you'd say, I've got a health issue I'm working on, or my marriage is in shambles, we need prayer. Do not leave without getting prayer. It's not embarrassing, it's wisdom. It's wisdom, let us help you. And we would love to pray for you. We believe that God hears the prayers of his people. And so these are people that I trust to pray for me, these are people that I pray for. This is the foundation of our church and they are available to pray for you. The question is, will you let them? And so as the service ends today, They'll stay here and be available to pray for you about whatever you might need. For everybody else, let me pray for you and send you out today. Lord, I pray that you would bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long in Jesus' name and all of us said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.